Today's Stripe Show podcast is brought to you by About Golf Simulators. Hello, world. It's time for the Tuesday edition of the Stripe Show. Travis Fulton couldn't be with us today, so I'm your host, Keith Stewart from Read the Line. Let's get into the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. But before we go there, why don't we wrap up a little reaction from Mexico last week? Cabo San Lucas and the Worldwide Technology Championship. Congratulations to all the EVR backers. Eric Van Royen was your emotional winner uh, with an eagle on the final hole. And uh, I believe he shot um, 47 under par. Uh, it's a new record on all planets. And uh, I just really can't believe that the wind didn't blow all week. And of course, in the words of Kelly Kraft that he put out there on social media, uh, the PGA Tour is going to need to do a little bit better. Of course, they are going to have to. Uh, certainly, Tiger designed that golf course as a resort layout. Uh, but as far as a test of championship level uh, and for the PGA Tour, I I'm not quite sure. It, it, certainly from my PGA perspective, and I'm sure Travis would feel the same way, to have that many guys make that many birdies under par and not be challenged in the least. And then when you see a guy like Matt Kuchar go to a six-stroke lead and then make a quad because of kind of an unfortunate set of circumstances, to me there was a little bit too much luck in play for the tournament last week. So without much ado, uh, let's just move on to the last two weeks of the full field events on the PGA Tour the charge for the uh, next 10. And of course, uh, we'll be talking all about the top 125 when we get the next week at the RSM Classic, which big preview or a little foreshadowing for next week. I'm going to be in Jacksonville or in Sea Island later that week, but I'm going to be in Jacksonville next Tuesday. So Travis and I are going to do our first show together. I feel like we're coming out of COVID or something. We're going to do our first show together live in person in his brand new studio, all specced out from true spec. And it's going to, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Uh, maybe we'll even start using the simulator. Who knows? Um, the gloves are coming off. We're going to have a ton of fun. So make sure you tune in for that next week. For this week right now, the total reaction is, hey, Goodbye, good riddance to El Cardinal, Tiger's first design. And you know what was interesting last week? There's a lot of Tiger Woods stuff in the news, and none of it really had to do with his golf course, which is, I guess, in a way, kind of ironic or just kind of the way things are. I mean, we're coming up on Tiger Woods month, not just because December is his birthday month, but because we'll most likely see him at the Hero. You, know, you remember last year, just a year ago, he was going to play the Hero, then he didn't play because he was injured. And then a couple of days later, he played in the 12-hole match down in Tampa with Rory against uh, Jordan JT which Jordan JT won, but he had a cart. And then he played with Charlie and the PNC parent-child for the second year in a row. And uh, certainly it seems as if after walking with his son, caddying all weekend at the Nota Begay Junior Championships, uh, 72 holes, Tiger carried the bag and he looked good. I saw enough footage of him just walking off the first tee to um, get us all pretty excited. So it seems like he's slated for that 20th slot. You know, 19 names have been mentioned for the hero in, a, in about three weeks the week after Thanksgiving, and then, of course, uh, a couple weeks after that, you've got the PNC parent-child. Hey, seven weeks from today is the start of TGL. And I know that there's been a lot of talk all over social media. This is a joke. This is a gimmick, blah, blah, blah. But hey, if you're going to do something different, like a Top Golf, it actually has to be something different. Now, I'm not trying to pick on Liv, but when they say they're doing something different, as a golf professional, I just don't see it. More people in the world, especially men, play golf in shorts. 
They play in a shotgun. And at the most, they play are three rounds in a tournament, if not just two. So if you're really going to reinvent things and try to find a new audience, I would say that going to shot clocks and you know simulator golf in an arena seven weeks from today with Tiger, with a bunch of other world-class athletes, um, to me, that makes a little bit more sense as being something that's going to attract, you know, a little bit more of a crowd that isn't, you know, already into golf. Hey, at the end of the day, if you're into golf as much as I am and Travis is, then you don't need the TGL to be excited about the start of the century in January and, a, you know, and a year long season that goes from January to August and get all excited from the betting perspective, from whatever the points list is to the majors and everything else, you know, 200 days till the masters, whatever it is. I mean, we all get that, but in order for the game to get bigger and become even more worldwide, you know, I, I don't begrudge Mike McCarley, tomorrow sports and all what they're trying to do to make it actually different than just it being another league that, you know, maybe came up in a confrontational manner, but yeah, that's disruptive to the norm, but it's not actually disrupting the game in any way. And it's, it's certainly not innovative. So at the end of the day, I think it's kind of cool that they're trying all these things. Do I think all of them will work? Probably not. Will they all be well-received? Probably not. But in some way, shape or form, uh, throughout the course of their season, they're going to figure out what's the best course of action. And I think at the end of the day, putting golf on Monday and Tuesday nights in a two-hour window that we can bet on shot by shot with simulator golf courses and mic'd up players uh, will be a lot of fun. And, um, well, we'll see where it goes from there. Hack Motion is an innovative wrist analysis sensor and app that measures players' wrist and hand movement in the golf swing. With audio feedback and different drill modes, it offers the capability to improve players' wrist mechanics in the golf swing to provide a better club face control and impact position. Hack Motion can be used for both full swing and putting to cover all golf shots. Hack Motion is used by some of the top golf coaches today around the world. Visit HackMotion.com. From now, we're going to Bermuda. It's the Butterfield Bermuda Championships. And sometimes when these weird company names come up, um, yeah, I, without Travis here, we're going to get on a bunch of tangents. We'll get to some names in a second, I promise you. But do you ever wonder what Butterfield is? I mean, I have no idea what Butterfield is. Now, like when you hear it, you're almost thinking like, you know, like turkeys or something like that. But then at the end of the day, it's a bank. It's a bank out of Bermuda that works in the Cayman Islands, Switzerland, um, all sorts of interesting places. But they are a bank um, that is basically headquartered in, in Bermuda. And they, they've been sponsoring this event for a number of years now. Uh, Port Royal Golf Course, where the event is played. A lot of people remember that. Uh, from my fraternity, the PGA of America, they had the PGA Grand Slam of golf, and it ran for years. It was the four major champions would go out to, to a place, and then it kind of found a home in Bermuda for a number of years. It used to be played in on like a Monday and a Tuesday night, and they would put it on TV. TNT or somebody like that would have had it, and uh, which makes sense because the PGA had to deal with TNT. But um, they go out and they play Port Royal. They did it there from 2009 to 2014. It was a fun event, but in the silly season and trying to give guys more time off and the way the world has developed, it kind of went away. And then uh, they kept golf in Bermuda from the PGA tour. And in 2019, they started the Butterfield Bermuda championship. We've had four editions of it. 
Uh, Brendan Todd was your first winner at tournament record 24 under. Then you had Brian Gay. Then you had Lucas Herbert. And then last year was Seamus Power. Uh, Three of the past champions are back. Seamus Power is not back. Um, It's going to be a fun event this week. 132 players, top 65 in ties, $6.5 million purse. Last two weeks of a full field. And this FedEx Cup fall, as much as we had no idea where it was going to go, but these seven events, they have been compelling. We had a playoff at the Sanderson. Uh, the Fortnite was exciting. Of course, the Shriners was a shootout. We had a shootout last week in Mexico. The Zozo was pretty good, although it was overnight. But we had Morikawa win there. Um, Van Royen was a great story last week. And there's a number of great young players that are heading out to this thing. I mean, who could forget last year? Ben Griffin, 54-hole lead. He had to sleep on the lead. Never had won before on the PGA Tour. He didn't pull it out. Seamus Power pulled it out on the final day. Uh, it, it's It's just one of those things where... At a par 71, 6,828 yards, this is a unique event. Anyone in the 132-man field can win this thing, anyone that's in good recent form. But my point is, is that when they go play last week and it's 7,400 yards and you've got to make 100 birdies, probably a third of the field is excluded from that. Uh, it's just too long, and you know maybe the scoring is too difficult. I don't know. But this week, as far as handicapping the golf course, there is any number of players. I mean, look at a guy like Brian Gay, who's now on the Champions Tour. He's played there four times, and he's never finished outside the top 12, and he has a win. There's only two players in the field that have played all four and made all four cuts, and the other one, other than Brian Gay, is Russell Knox. So that gives you an idea of the type of player that really excels here. And when you start to break down the golf course, the first thing that comes to mind is that even though there is a lot of golf on Bermuda, we are landlocked. This is an island, and the golf course is much smaller. Believe it or not, there's 21 acres of fairway at Port Royal Golf Course. There was 97 acres last week at El Cardinal. So you can see that this is going to be a little bit more of an accuracy contest. Now, is hitting the fairway vital here? Probably not. Probably It's probably more important than it was last week, which didn't seem to matter at all because everyone was hitting the fairway. But you don't have to use a driver here in order to excel. You just have to put the ball in play and you have to be able to play these short par fours and score on the three par fives. And yes, driver is a huge advantage, but if you don't get there at the driver and you're doing it with a three wood or you're doing it with a driving iron because you're one of the longer players, certainly just putting the ball in play and getting a wedge in hand. And, and that's really where the keys start to um, rear their head. You know, that, that's where you really start to see Who's going to play well here? And as part of the skill set that we're really going to be looking at this week, um, I, I, I definitely have to pay attention to the fact that there's eight par fours under 415 yards. There's three par fives. Those 11 approach shots are going to happen with some form of a wedge in hand for everybody in this field. And if that's the case, then who are the best wedge players? Well, we'll get to that in a second with the names as we go through a couple of our you know favorite little uh, show segments. But... Overall, you have got to be a good wedge player here in order to compete. The guys that have been at the top of the leaderboard for all these different years have definitely been great on approach from 150 yards and in, really 125 yards and in. And there's even a number of shots between 50 and 75 yards that these guys are going to play and they're going to need to score with. The second thing that you got to pay attention to this week outside of that wedge play is look at the four champions, Todd, Power, uh, Herbert, and Gay, all great putters and not just great putters but great putters on bermuda grass so yes we're paying attention to the agronomy but we're also paying attention to the fact that 
the guys that are getting the job done here, and let, let's be honest, if the wind's not blowing, and I'll get to the weather in a second, if the wind's not blowing, then you've got to get to 20 under par. I mean, you go look at Todd's you know, tournament record at 24 under par. It didn't blow that year. The years that it does blow, you know, we get to the mid-teens anyway, which means these guys are making 20-plus birdies on this golf course, which makes sense. At the length, 6,800 yards, one of the shortest on the PGA Tour, and you don't have to use driver all over the place. This wedge fest is going to give these guys a lot of putts from 10 to 20 feet, and who can fill them the most on Bermuda grass, grainy greens? Because this place is wall-to-wall Bermuda grass, and that warm weather weed, uh, if you're not used to it or if you're not experienced with it, and it, it's getting to the point now where on the PGA Tour, there's less and less courses where guys have to at least putt on Bermuda because they're starting to put these hybrid grasses together, which play almost more like a bent grass up north. And they're removing all of these Bermuda because they are so grainy and they become difficult to putt and they, they, they're very difficult to try to, you know, for the player to predict and for the agronomy teams to maintain. So uh, we're definitely paying attention to the Bermuda grass. We're definitely paying attention to the putting. Got to get the ball and play off the tee. Doesn't necessarily have to hit the fairway, but we've got to be close enough. Remember, 21 acres of fairway. You know, you look at last week, the, the fairways were 60 yards wide. Here in Bermuda, you miss a fairway by 40 yards. I mean, you besides maybe being in the water, I mean, you could be in the Atlantic Ocean on one of the coastal holes. Now, which brings me up to another point. When, he, when you start talking about scoring, there's really kind of two sections of the golf course you got to pay attention to. Don't get all excited on Thursday morning when you see your player go out on the first seven holes and he's three or four under par. That's the easy part of the golf course. you got to take advantage there, right? The first five holes are more inland. They're not along the coast. Uh, they're very much protected from the weather and the wind, which on Thursday and Friday doesn't look like it will be too big of a deal. Maybe just a little bit of a trade wind situation. But um, as we get into Saturday and Sunday, I'll talk a little bit more about the weather in a minute. Uh, but then after the seventh hole, where you've played two par fives in the first seven, a bunch of short par fours, you're then going to venture out into the meat of the golf course. And then when you get into the middle of the back nine, 13 through 16, those four holes, they play almost three quarters of a shot over par. And that's the difficult part of this golf course. You got some long par threes in there. You're going out near the water. It's wind affected. Um, then you come in 17 short par five, 18 not a long par four. Uh, you got a chance to kind of get maybe one or two back there, and then you're done for the day. So that's how the round is going to come together. Uh, that's how these guys are going to attack this place. 88 bunkers, cover the landscape. 11 holes have ele elevation changes. So as you're hitting those wedges in the wind and how much wind, but if you're hitting those wedges in the wind, you got to be able to control your trajectory. Good wedge players can do that. Um, large size greens again. 8,000 square feet, 8,300 square feet last week. It's interesting. Small place like Bermuda, small targets, large greens, but it makes sense. Gets too windy out there. You need a larger, flatter putting surface uh, because otherwise you'd be shutting the golf course down every time it blew over 25 miles an hour. So you look at those past champions and their ability to put the ball and play off the tee, be great with their wedges, be great with their putter, and that leads us down a road to where we're going to get to the weather. See, I didn't forget. All right, so the weather, Thursday, Friday, everything looks fine. Just your normal 10 to 15 mile an hour breezes, sunny, uh, mid-70s temperature-wise. The guys won't be wearing Bermuda shorts, but the people like you and me that were watching will go deep with the Bermuda shorts. You pick whatever color you want. I'll go khaki. Anyway, point, and I don't do the high socks, but I'm not a native of Bermuda, so there you go. But overall, Getting to the weekend, though, this could be like a 2021 Lucas Herbert situation. Saturday, 
Wind's going to pick up. It's going to get over 20 miles an hour. Sunday, they're expecting some storms and some rain. They're also looking to, you know, again, higher winds, over 20 miles per hour for Saturday and Sunday with the wet weather on Sunday. So go deep the first 36 holes. Get out there as fast as you can. Get as low as you can. And then it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun over the weekend to watch. These guys hold on for dear life. Um, I love entertaining golf like that. I love to watch guys have to just play golf and not just point and shoot, but they have to really kind of figure out with the wind and the elevation changes that are all over this landscape, uh, how they're going to hit shots in the greens and then make birdies, save pars. There'll be a little bit of scrambling involved. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this weekend. It's one of two full field events left for 2023. Yeah, the hero might have Tiger, but it's going to only have 20 players. I mean, this is our last chance for a big hit of the year. And uh, definitely we got to our second to last chance. Strike that. Um, and we definitely got to go deep here. We got to do it. We got to get it done. So let's go as Travis loves to do. We'll start with our first segment of the day, as we always do. And it's first click. See that? He always likes to click the mouse. He's like clicking the mouse. No, no, no. Bang. I'm hitting that thing like I'm playing a game show. And for me, I'm going the Todd father. I know. I know it's chalky and everything. But when you look at this field and the 132 players, I mean, am I, am I going to attach my saddle to Brian Gay? Right. Am I going to trust? I mean, this is one click, one bullet, one shot here, folks. Right. So if you got to pick one guy to do it, Adam Scott, this guy, he's up in Boston. He's at Fenway Park. He's running around, giving golf lessons, putting green on. I mean, he's not wearing beige. Could be a problem. Could throw his mojo totally off. Best player in the field. Why is he even going to Bermuda? Maybe it's because he was going to be in Boston. He can run over here, get himself some points. I don't know. But my point being is this, is that right now, I'm with Brendan Todd, Fortinet, sixth place, one of the best wedge players in the field, past tournament champ, can fill it up with the putter, super positional golfer. Come on, give me a better choice. Travis, you got one? See, he's, he's a, he doesn't have a better choice. I'm going Brendan Todd. Your odds boards are going to have him somewhere in the high teens. If you get him at 20, then you really hit the button as fast as you can. You got to do it. And speaking of got to do it, do you have to buy or sell? Because it's buy or sell time. And I don't I don't even know if he's going to throw the uh, music in on this. So um, if he does... And maybe you change the music. I don't know. What do you got planned for us, Travis? So anyway, here's what I got planned. I'm going into buy or sell land on the odds board. And I got a couple names for you. Adam Scott. Now, when we do buy or sell, it's like top 20, better than a top 20, outright maybe, or are we just flat out selling on this guy? Adam Scott for a top 20, decent showing at the Zozo. Uh, at least he's been playing lately. Class player of the field, major champion. Certainly can handle a flat stick on Bermuda grass. For me, Adam Scott, I'll buy. I'll buy. Boston Common Golf Team, the frog, everything. Don't get distracted by it all. Adam Scott is one of the best players here. Top 20 for him, I'll buy. Next guy, Akshay Batia. I mean, this this guy is a he's a little bit of an enigma to me. Uh, he kind of blows my mind. If he's playing inland or anywhere else, it seems like we don't know what's going to happen. We could get all forms of Akshay, right? But then when this guy plays anywhere near the water, he's unbelievable. Last week in Mexico, he was good. Um, 
down at Puerto Vallarta, down at the Mexico Open and PGA Tour. He was good. He was he won in the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry Tour. He was good in Puerto Rico. Um, going over here to the Bahamas, we have to expect that he'll be good again. Now, I was very critical of Akshay last week. I didn't think the approach game was where it needed to be, and certainly not the putter. Um, both were decent. And he finished in the teens, and you had to do that by making a lot of birdies and by striking your golf ball sufficiently, which he did. Um, yeah, again, we beat a dead horse. Everybody could hit those fairways. But he was hitting some greens. He was hitting some par fives and two. Akshay was getting the ball around. Um, he was definitely, you know, buy or sell on a top 20. I was sell last week. I got to pay attention to the coastal trend. All of you out there, you're looking to me to come to you and ta- say, hey, Keith, win me some money. Akshay, they have him as one of the favorites. I, I'm not going to go as far as top 10, but Travis is throwing a top 20 buy or sell at me. I'm going to buy. Next guy, Lucas Glover. Probably the hottest golfer of the late summer. Uh, won back-to-back times. Said he figured out the putter. When it comes to wedge game, he probably is the best ball-striking wedge player in the field. If not, maybe Brendan Todd. But maybe one of those two guys. But what worries me here, and why I'm going to sell on Lucas Glover for a top 20, is that I just don't see that putter reacting on Bermuda grass on these greens to give him enough birdies to get inside that threshold. There's been enough guys playing over the last, well, what would we have? We've had five fall events already, right? So most guys have played two, three, four of these, the guys that are in this Bermuda field, and there's enough of them in good enough form that I just don't see Lucas sliding in there. Um, Maybe that's just me, but I think at the end of the day, when you really pay attention to what is needed here, you've got to have the putter lead the way. And for me, Lucas hasn't proven this fall what he was able to do, that he could repeat what he was able to do over the summer. Hey, it is what it is. I'm going to move on to Thomas. I'm selling on Glover. Thomas Dietrich, super hot name. A year ago, everybody's picking this guy to win this event. And now, if you look, you know, and again, he's one of those names that's just kind of attached to this event that they're like, oh, you got to pick Thomas Dietrich because he's played in a couple years in a row. And everybody was talking about him last year. And then all of a sudden, they're talking about him this year. But if you really look closely, at what Dietrich's been up to. So remember last year, he came off that really hot European run and he came right into Bermuda and it was like, okay, well, we could pick this guy to win. Flights the ball good, excellent ball striker. He had a hot putter. He was coming in, so be it. This year, not so much. His last 10 events, he's been bleeding strokes in, in every strokes gain contact category other than putting. So around the green, approach, off the tee, he's got negative strokes gained. Scorecard's bleeding, man. There's there's not enough green on his statistical chart in order to get me to believe that he's going to be one of those guys. So he's definitely one of the people at the top of the leaderboard or the uh, betting board that I'm fading. And uh, yeah, I'm selling on him on top 20. I don't know. I, I don't think that many people are, are, are actually that geared up for him like they are Akshay or maybe Lucas or something, but or someone else. But at the end of the day, um, I'm just not feeling it there. I'm not seeing anything about what he's doing that gets me excited. Now, hey, anybody could turn it around in a week. This is the PGA Tour. But even the history there isn't good enough that I'm going to go nuts. All right. And I'll go one more. Ben Griffin, buy or sell. Well, last year, 54-hole lead, and he didn't get it done on Sunday. 54-hole lead, Sanderson, about a month and a half ago, about a month ago, all right? And he didn't get it done on Sunday. But 
you know, since Bermuda last year, when he slept on that lead, he's had nine top 25s. Guy made the PGA, the FedEx Cup playoffs over the summer. Great putter, good wedge player, good par three player. I'm going to buy. For a top 20, I'm definitely going to buy. I'm actually even thinking about there's a little bit of redemption there. And I would even go definitely for him top 10. In a field like this, yeah, we all hate the odds that we got to get him at 25 to 1 or if you're getting him at 22 to 1 or whatever that number may be. But at the end of the day, 22 is better than 18. You know, and I'm not just shrugging that off. But what I'm saying is that you can only bet the odds that you're given. And if you're prejudiced against a certain golfer because you won't play them below a certain number, but they could still win and get you 20 to 1, well, there aren't a lot of sports out there that you can get a winner at 20 to 1 without coming up with some kind of stupid parlay, right? Or some ladder system on props or whatever. So at the end of the day, Ben Griffin gives you a legitimate chance to win this week. You know it, and I know it. So top 20, I'm definitely buying. Well, that's my buy or sell list this week. Hmm. Right about now as we go with a little who's next, right? So for me, who's next as we go down the betting board, one of the names that I didn't mention, but we were mentioning a lot last week, and he had a very slow start with a guy, Canadian, by the name of Taylor Pendrith. Now, Taylor Pendrith shot even par in the first round, and you... And me and everybody else that was betting them last week in Mexico was throwing things at the TV. Hopefully not sharp objects or anything that would break the TV. But I personally, I love head covers, golfer. You see, I have some. Anyway, you throw those, they may scratch it, but they're not going to break the TV, right? Um, I'm not condoning throwing anything at your TV, but if you are, little PSA, throw something that's soft. That being said, Taylor Pendrith played the last 54 holes in Mexico at 18 under par sufficient, right? He's played in the Butterfield Bermuda Championship one other time, finished fifth. Here's the type of player that's so long off the tee. He can hit a lot of, a lot of irons, fairy woods off the tee, put himself in position, use that wedge game. He's got a hot putter. I mean, 18 under for his last three rounds in Mexico. Uh, he can handle Bermuda grass. For me, there's a guy. He's going to be between 25 to 30, somewhere in that range. <sighs> I'm probably going to click on him. No, I'm going to click on him. It's going to happen. And um, as I move further down the board and we jump around a little bit here, you know, um, I can't, I can't do like the straight odds board thing. Um, you know, as it just, it just, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I got to I got to go where my heart goes. And Hey, at this point, we're 20 minutes into this thing. You just want names. I get it. My opinion. It's valued. Here we go. Further down the board. How about a guy like Harry Hall, right? I know, Las Vegas product, but he's had a couple good finishes. He did not make the cut in Mexico. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that, but not a good course fit for him. Harry Hall is a really, really good wedge player and an excellent putter. Hmm, sound familiar? Yeah, Bermuda grass putter, good enough, okay? English guy, well, hey, Bermuda used to be owned by England. Come on, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think there's a fit here, and at 66 to one, we can start to find some value. And he's the type of guy that could definitely make enough low scores with his wedges and putter that could keep you in the mix. I like him further down the board. And as I go lower down the board, I've got to mention Justin Lower. Two times he's been to Bermuda: 17th finish and an eighth. 
right? Last week, he was 23rd in Mexico, so he can make enough low scores. I mean, to be top 20 last week, he had to be like 50 under par. So Justin Lower can get it done here. He's got a good history on the property. Eh, 60 to 1, 65 to 1, depending on what book you're looking at. You can definitely find yourself a player like Harry Hall that could put himself in contention, and then you never know. They could pull it off and not be a Ben Griffin. Right. So, I, I mean, these are the types of guys that we've been watching all fall that have been just around the top of the leaderboard. They've got their top, you know, their top 20s. They've got the top 30s. Um, they aren't household names, but they have the skill set that really fits these certain places. And for this week, here, there's two guys that could really get the job done. You talk about a guy who's won in the fall before. Here's another guy, one of the best wedge players like Glover, like Todd in the field and a great putter, Patton Kazire at 90 to one. He's my bomb of the week. So the, he, there's a guy that has been playing well enough all fall. He has the skill set that fits here. He's won before on Bermuda. He's won multiple times on the PGA Tour at 90 to one. He's a great value down the board. You start to look at guys that sit in the 90 to one range. And you say to yourself, who could actually win this thing? Well, how about a guy that's actually won on the PGA tour more than once? So for, for me, that's the type of player that I'm always looking for as we go searching further down the board. And as we come up with these names for everybody there at home, Hey, at the end of the day, you know, you have to make the decision. You got to pull the trigger on, on who, on who you like. That's who I like. Right. Um, I'm really excited about next week. Travel down, spend some time with Travis uh, off camera, and then we're going to put a really, really fun show together to close out the PGA Tour season. Then I'm off to RSM about an hour north from there on Tuesday afternoon. I'm going to be at the RSM all week covering it, live betting for Read the Line. Of course, you can always find me here on a Tuesday on the Stripe Show. Uh, hey, when Travis isn't here, you know who's got you. I'm right here. At the end of the day, my name's Keith Stewart, and thank you for joining the Stripe Show, and as always, for reading the line.